morning, good morning, good morning. Welcome back to another episode of Embracing Grace. In this episode, we are going to talk life, faith, and all things in the garden. This is going to be a mixture of things, and who knows where this is going to lead us because. You can stick to a script all you want, but I'm not one of those people. I just open my heart and let it pour out. I think in any and all things that you do, truth, faith, and love should be at the very center of all that you say and do. I try to keep Christ at the center of everything that I think, that I say, and of all my actions. With that being said, I wanna start this episode off with a prayer. A prayer for protection. And this is actually one of my spiritual warfare prayers. And there are certain prayers that I pray over my family every single day and that we gather around our supper table and we hold hands and we all pray together. And this is definitely one of them. So if you're going through any type of spiritual warfare, if you feel like you are just being hounded or you feel oppressed or you feel like just all kinds of bad juju as I call it, Say this prayer with me. And it's also good to pray this every morning just so you know that you're covered during the day. I start, you should start the mornings with this prayer, end your nights with this prayer, amongst many others. But pray it as many times as you need it. Prayer is your form of communication with the Father through our precious Lord. And it's also your weapon. So without further ado, I ask if you are able to please bow your head and close your eyes. And no matter where you are, what you're doing, or how you do it, say this prayer with us. Almighty God, thank you for creating me. Thank you for preserving me and my family unto this very time. Lord, I thank you for blessing us and waking us up and giving us another day to live, another day to be with one another, and another day to seek and find you. Lord, I thank you for waking us up, not our alarm clocks, and for giving us another chance to bring all others to you and to your truth. Lord, I pray for your protection against any and all spiritual and physical enemies. Lord, I pray for the strength to resist the devil's attacks and temptations. Lord, please help me to put on your full armor and your breastplate of righteousness. Protect me when I sleep and when I awake. Please remove all the traps and pitfalls that have been set for me that I cannot see. Almighty God, please protect me from the eyes and snares of the evil one. Lord, order my steps for me, so I do not walk in the company of the wicked. Lord, I ask that you protect my family from 
any worldly cultures that will result in them losing their souls. Please protect us from all evil attention from strangers and from them and from those close to us. Lord, please block anyone with bad intentions from coming into our lives. Lord, be a shining light unto our feet so we won't walk in thorns or slippery slopes. Protect us from all evil, including those we bring upon ourselves. Let us not wander away from your protection, come what may. Give us the strength to walk with you and give us the strength to walk through the valleys. Lord, guide us from dawn till dusk. Watch over us in everything that we say and do. Lord, be our companion wherever we go. Lord, thank you for the answered prayer. And thank you, Lord, so much for your protection and for all the blessings that you bestowed upon my family and I. I ask and pray this in Jesus' name. I love you. Amen. And that right there was spiritual warfare prayer, prayer for protection. I also have a specific prayer for protection for my children, a prayer against family curses. Um, I also have just a little setup that I have for what to pray about in your war room. And this guide that I had put together has been amazing and transformational to say the very least for my children because if you have young children and you're explaining the word to them and you're teaching them about prayer they don't always know what to pray for or how to pray and let's be honest there's many adults who don't truly know how to pray and they weren't taught right you don't pray like what the, oh, what do they call it? The prosperity gospel people teach you to pray. Oh, pray for a big house and pray for a big car and pray for millions in your bank account and this and that. No, that, that's, that's not prayer. Now, I have prayed to God for things that I wanted. But I also knew when I went to pray for that, that I was willing to put in the work that God called me to. And I knew that it would be an answered prayer and that I would use that in my testimony for his glory, not for mine. I prayed and prayed and prayed, y'all, to have a homestead. So let me back up on that. Back in 2019, I was doing serious, I mean serious research. I devoted my time, every bit of my time to God and to researching what was going on in our world. So I found out and I, I freaked out. I did. I freaked out. I told my husband, I said, something bad is going to happen. I said, I have a feeling. I was like, there's a virus that's coming. And I, I found it. I, I found that actual um, number. You know, whenever anything is made, if it's man-made, 
there's a number to be tracked by. I'm a great researcher and I don't say that boastful and I don't say that pridefully. I'm a great phenomenal researcher because the Lord God has opened my eyes. I used to be blind as a bat walking around with scales all over my eyes where I didn't know anything. I was just living life. Hey, you only get one life to live, right? Got to make the most of it. I was indoctrinated with the best of them. But I always knew that there was something missing. I always knew that things weren't what they seemed. I, I was a very different child where I saw things that most people miss. And I always chalked that up to because I used to have chronic night terrors my whole entire childhood. And even into my adulthood, I had these reoccurring night terrors. And it was the craziest stuff. I, I remember one time I scared the dickens out of my mother because I'm just this little girl running to her, you know, screaming bloody murder and bawling my eyes out, physically shaking and tormented from my, my night terrors. And I have had sleep studies done on me. I have done MRIs, they, they have hooked stuff, you know, all these things to my head, to monitors, and I, I they did sleep studies on me, like, my night terrors were a force to be reckoned with, and my mother and my stepfather and their household was not godly, they were not Christians, they didn't talk about God, I didn't grow up with God being talked about with them. Now, my Padre and my Abuela believed in God, but I didn't live with them. So, I had horrible night terrors. There was one about a castle in the middle of an ocean, and it, it was freakier than can be. There was all these tapestries, and there was this man. You would see a bunch of people, but there was this one particular man who was very old, and he scared me down to my core. I mean, I, I was disturbed down to my spirit before I even knew I had a spirit. And I would try to stay up. I refused to go to sleep because I was petrified that I was going to see this man in my sleep. And there was all these people. They all looked alike. So, and, you know, I would tell my mom, I'd be like, Mommy, they're, they're family. They're all family. They all look too much alike. And they were feeding him blood very crazy to help him stay alive and then he was in this weird contraption because he had an illness something I don't know it was crazy so anyway the other one would be I would get would be in Czechoslovakia and Spain but underground and this is you know I didn't even know what these countries necessarily looked like I knew that I was Czechoslovakian and Spanish and everything else but I didn't know what these places look like. However, when you're a child and you know, your imagination is unlimited, it seems. And I couldn't control what I dreamt. None of us can, but I would have the same reoccurring ones. So then it would go from me being there to somehow, and this was all underground, going from there to being in Antarctica. And there's this huge pyramid in the water and 
I never saw the person. I would just see shadows and say, don't let them steal your light. Don't let them steal your light. And I never knew what that was. So, I'm very particular about saying, you know, taking everything to the Lord. So, I, I prayed and I prayed for God to deliver me from that once I found him. God answered that and they stopped. Now, I, I still suffer from nightmares every once in a while, but for the most part, I am good. And the last time that I had one of my reoccurring night terrors, um, I think I was 30, 31 years old. So it was years ago. Um, but I haven't had them since. Now, nightmares, yes, I still have every once in a while, but it's nothing that I can't take to God. And after so many years, you know, my whole life so far of dealing with nightmares and night terrors, I kind of am used to it. Like I, I know how to handle myself. I know what to do. And I just throw myself at God's mercy. My husband is the most amazing person through it all. And I wouldn't, I would not be able to deal with it or get through it if it wasn't for God and for my husband. So fast forward to us living at our old house and I always prayed since I was a little girl, I wanted a farm. And I was so complex because the one part of me, you know, I grew up in the best of both worlds. I grew up half in the country, half in the city. So one part of me, I wanted the farm, the whole farm. I wanted, you know, as, as my younger children would say, moo-moos and I want horses and chickens and turkeys and I want it all. And I want a garden and homestead and completely just live off the land. That's it. That's all I want out of life. And then the other part of me, the city slicker, I guess you would say, I wanted to be business oriented and I went to college for business administration um everything was business so I couldn't help but even though you know living oh what was it 20 years in the city so to speak I still wanted to homestead but I never voiced that and when I got with my husband I was able to actually finally for once breathe, finally be myself. And I wanted my farm, I wanted my homestead and I just wanted my family. I just wanted to serve God, to live a righteous Christ-like godly life so that when the good Lord calls us home, my husband, my children, and I will all hear, well done, my faithful good servant. That's all I want out of life. That is the only thing worth life, is to finally be back with God. I cannot stand the evilness and the wickedness that is in this world. I will weep. I'm not a crier. And that's one way to make me cry is when I sit here and I see it and I, I've seen it. I've stared down the barrels into pure evilness. And I've dealt with evil since I was a child. I see the evil and wickedness running rampant 
throughout our world, not just our country, but the entire world. And my heart bleeds for people. It truly does. For the people, for their families, but for our children and all younger generations. Children didn't ask to be brought into this world. And you want to make the world good. You want to make it good for your children, for your grandbabies. That's normal. The way society, culture, and the world is nowadays, that is not normal at all. When God said that people will be given over to their own wicked devices, that's what this is talking about. Okay. God has tried and tried and tried. You want to keep rebelling? You want to keep doing abominable, sinful things? There's going to come a point in time where you're giving over to them. And the only way you're going to be able to get out of that is if you surrender. We're at that time, y'all. Look around. When I grew up, there was no trans or LGBT, what is it, TQ plus ABC, whatever you want to call it. There was none of that. And I remember the first time that somebody did come out as homosexual, especially being in the country. That, that was a horrible thing. And my heart went out to that person. I don't make the rules. I don't care how people live. That's your life. That's not mine. What you do in your own time, that's your business, whatever. God's the one who makes the rules. You take that up with him. The only time that I will get involved is when you're trying to do that crap around my children and when you're trying to force it down our throats. Then you're going to get the mousy part of me. And I promise you, it is far, far from sunshine and rainbows. I can either be the sweetest person you ever meet or one of your worst enemies. I don't sugarcoat things. My mother, you will hear her mouth come out of my mouth sometimes. I do not put up with that. I do not lie. I give you the option that what you see is what you get. Take it or leave it. I've been that way for as long as I can remember. That's just how I am and who I am. And I think more people should be like that. Give somebody the option to be like, okay, yes, I want to be your friend. Or, hey, you're cool. Or, okay, or no thank you. You know what? There's no bad blood between us. I wish you the best. But I don't want that in my life. Instead, we live in a fallen world. And look around. Our government lies to us all the time. All the industries, whether it's Hollywood, the elitist, globalism, uh, the stock markets, or you're talking about big pharma, then the pharmaceutical industry, all of them are liars. They lie to us, they deceive us, and they play us. And they're all on the same side. I've done my research. Whenever I found out back in 2019 that this virus was coming, I prayed more and more. I mean, bawling, laying on the floor, bawling out to God to please get me and my family out of where we were. I wanted out of the state of Maryland. I did not want to be anywhere near a city. 
I want it to go back to my mountains. Just, just take us out, Lord. Just get us away from this area. I, I don't want to be around any of that. I knew what was coming. I tried to warn people. I could have done a better job. And God answered that prayer through that house fire. It may have been two years later because the house fire just happened a couple months ago. But that was God delivering us, refining us through that fire. We almost lost our lives, but you know what? God saved us. Nobody else saved us. God spoke to my husband and told my husband something was wrong. And if my husband wasn't a godly man, if his heart wouldn't have been open to the Lord, we probably would have died in that fire. And nobody will ever change my mind about that. We didn't know what was going to happen. But now, months later, we see that was God delivering us from so many things. Delivering us from the people that were around us. Delivering us from that house. Delivering us from the oppression. From the church that was down that we attended. Which was not a, a church. I love the church. I do. And I love all the people that went there. It was a very small church. But they were my family. They, I really loved them like family. But it's not a church where you can grow. It's not a church where they want to grow. And it's not a church where they're open to ideas and, and for growth. It was not the church for me. It's literally, they're just stuck in their ways. And who they who attends there is all that they want. God delivered my children from that public school. Delivered us from everything and put us where we needed to be. Where we are secluded. Where I don't have neighbors that are right there. Where I am homeschooling my children and I don't have to worry about that. Moved us out of the state of Maryland. Out of the city. Away from the city. Everything that I wanted, God answered. And I will take no credit for any of this. My husband will take no credit for any of this. Because all of this stems only from the Lord God's gracious and merciful loving hands. He gave us our homestead. He gave us our gardens that we started. And this coming spring, he's given us those gardens. He's giving us the farm that we're starting to build. Everything good and righteous and, and pure and holy and joyful stems from the Lord's hands. And I will take no credit for that because all my joy goes to giving God all the credit, all the praise, and all the worship, because only God deserves the glory, the worship, and the praise. But not only does he deserve it, the Lord God is the only one who can truly handle it. If you give a human praise and glory and worship, their ego and their pride's going to take over, and they're going to turn corrupt and evil. Not the Lord God. He is the only one built for it. And what a beautiful, beautiful thing. I cannot wait for this spring for us to dive into our gardening. And that brings me to the next point. I hope that y'all are subscribed to our YouTube channel. We have initially what this podcast was, was Abiding in God's Grace Ministries. We have our YouTube channel that we've had for three to four years now. It's Abiding in God's Grace Ministries on YouTube. 
We also have our new YouTube channel, which has only been up for, I want to say a month or two. And that is Simple Godly Living Homestead. Look them up, subscribe, because everything gets it is getting on there. We'll have the videos of our gardens, which we already do from when we first moved here and we first started. You'll see how horrible our land was. It was a junkyard. All the work that my husband and I and our children put into the land so far. You'll see um, cooking videos, just, just everything. Cooking, family, faith, gardening. It's all there. We're going to take a quick break and then we'll be back. To talk about biblical commands to Christians and what is faith to you. Stay tuned. yourself sometimes sluggish during the day sometimes you're hungry and you could use a pick-me-up but you just don't know what to eat or you just don't want something big and heavy well folks look no further because boy are y'all in for a treat I have had the pleasure of having a kind nut butter filled snack bar let me tell you something. I am very picky when it comes to snacks. I don't eat a bunch of candy nor junk food. I used to love it. However, I am all about health and reading ingredients, seeing a lot of these artificial flavors, or just a bunch of artificial things, preservatives, um, so many poisons and I look in, at ingredients every time I shop. I'm a cook and a baker. So when I go to the grocery store and I'm shopping for, you know, my household and I'm picking up things for things that I'm going to be cooking, meal preps or things that I'm going to bake, whether it's for here at home or any events and functions that we have, etc. I always read the ingredients. But there's a lot of ingredients that I didn't even know what they were. So, I started really digging in and looking into what exactly these ingredients are that we are putting into our body, like EDTA and tons of other things. And I learned that it is actual poison. It, we are not supposed to eat these things. It is just very, very bad for us. So, I wanted to get something that my children could eat, my husband can eat, and that I would enjoy as well. Something that's not filling, and, you know, not too filling and, and overbearing. I don't like the sluggish feeling of, ugh, when you're done eating. And sometimes, you know, being a mother, a wife, a minister, being a homesteader, a gardener, a baker, a cook, everything that I do, I don't always have time to just sit down and eat. So I came across, like I said, kind nut butter. The kind nut butter is filled snack bars. I happen to eat the chocolate peanut butter. 
I do like peanut butter. However, I am not big on peanut butter. Now, my husband and children, they love peanut butter. They can't get enough of it. Me, on the other hand, I'm not big on it. I don't like the overpowering peanut butter taste. This thing was phenomenal. It is a chocolate peanut butter bar. You can taste the chocolate and you can taste the peanut butter. However, both flavors are not overpowering like most chocolate peanut butter snacks are. This bar is made with real nut butter, 100% whole grains, gluten-free, no artificial flavors, no artificial colors, and no preservatives. This snack is something that fills you up. However, you do not get a sluggish feeling. I had energy to continue on all my day. I wasn't hungry, and I highly recommend this to everything. While we are not being sponsored by Kind Nut Butter, I fully stand behind this snack. So, I wanted to take time while we're on our break to tell you all to go out today and get you some Kind Nut Butter, chocolate peanut butter, or whatever flavor you happen to like. But the chocolate peanut butter, you can't go wrong. So go get a Kind Nut Butter today. You won't be sorry. Hello, hello, and welcome back from that lovely break. I hope you all go out and get yourself a kind nut butter bar because you won't be sorry. Those things are delicious, even for the pickiest and meticulous eater. Now, I refilled my cup of coffee and my favorite face mug, and I'm ready to dive in to what is faith. I'm just going to put on my glasses here and take my notes. I also um, wanted to let y'all all know that a subscriber of ours had mentioned that, you know, we have two YouTube channels. Our first YouTube channel that we've had for three years now, three to four years, is Abiding in God's Grace Ministries. And that's our ministry channel of course um, we have bible studies we have book clubs we have scripture reading we have teaching sermons all kinds of amazing stuff um, praise and worship music etc our second youtube channel is simple godly living homestead embracing grace farm and as most of y'all know a couple months ago, our house caught on fire and burned down. My husband, my children, and I barely made it out alive, but God spared us and He saved us and delivered us from that fire. My children, my husband, and myself, and all nine of our animals made it safely out of that house that was engulfed in flames. However, we lost everything, y'all. I mean, everything. We lost all our clothes, all my children's toys, 
all our possessions, everything we owned. We literally became homeless within a matter of a night. We went from homeowners to being homeless. All my family was dead, so we had nowhere to go, nowhere to turn. Um, with everything that was going on with COVID, we took our money out of the banks and we lost it all. We, we literally lost everything. So we had not a penny to our name, no clothes except for the clothes that were on our back. I literally didn't have anything. I had on my hairnet, um, which I call my nightcap. I had on my bathrobe and slippers. That's it. Cold because even though it was springtime, we were having winter weather. And we lived in Maryland, so it was freezing cold. Um, none of us had on socks. It, it was just horrible. But anyway, through that, God led us. We literally leaned on the Lord God Almighty and we leaned on Him only and on one another. We had faith. And even though we were stricken with grief and fear and trauma, we chose to hold on to God and to cling to Him, to literally cling to the Him of Him. And to just have faith and choose faith over fear. And God actually led us to where we are now, to our new home, which requires a lot of work, y'all. It is definitely a fixer-upper to the max. Our property was a junkyard. Um, the ground was bad. The soil was bad. If y'all go to our second YouTube channel, Simple Godly Living Homestead, Embracing Grace Farm, you will see just how bad our property was. We worked hard day and night on that land, cleaned out, I mean, so much junk. There were vehicles, trash, diapers buried in the yard, alcohol glass bottles, um, razors, all kinds of disgusting stuff. There were trees we had to take down, and, and you will see all that. Um, we haven't showed most of the house. However, we're starting to. So y'all will get to see before and after of everything that we do. And we're having to replace everything we own. We still, you know, we had to replace all our beds. So we had to buy new beds for all our children, a bed for us, dressers for all of us, clothes for all of us. So we're still replacing things, all my kitchen stuff, I'm having to replace. I need measuring cups really bad. Um, there's actually a lot that we need. And on Amazon, we have a wish list. It is Simple Godly Living Homestead. We have a wish list um, of everything that we absolutely need. And then also on Amazon, we have registries. Like, for instance, um, my birthday is coming up at the end of this month. My birthday is New Year's Eve, December 31st. And so I created a birthday registry list 
And then we have our housewarming registry. We haven't had that yet, but we are going to film that and bring all y'all along. So anyway, a subscriber was saying, you know, you're doing these podcasts and everything, but you have two YouTube channels. Why don't you record your podcast so people have the option to listen or they have the option to watch and listen. And that was such a great idea. And I'm like, wow, wow, why did I not think of that? So I just want to say that this is why feedback from y'all and and communication from y'all and comments and messages from y'all is so highly wanted and praised. We literally read every comment, every message from y'all. We read every single one and we respond to every single one. We read all our emails. We respond to all our emails. So don't hesitate. We love fellowship. Absolutely love it. Get a hold of us. Email us. We have three different email accounts. We have Abiding in God's Grace at Yahoo.com. We have Pastor Blackburn dot A-I-G-G-M at gmail.com. And we have Simple Godly Living Homestead at Outlook.com. Email us or get on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Tumblr, any of that, uh, TikTok, YouTube, and comment or message us. We love hearing from y'all. So, now that that's out of the way, we are going to start recording. Um, And obviously, because we had already started this episode, um, we're not going to just start recording in the middle of it. So, our next podcast, we will, in fact, be recording from now on. So there's that. Now, I wanted to reach y'all because we're going to be on the topic of faith. And there is so much to dive into when it comes to faith. Faith is not just a one thing and done. It's one of those that has so many different parts of it. Faith is never ending. So, I wanted to very quickly just read you some things. Um, Well, I guess I can save those for other podcasts so they won't be so long. Now, I know a lot of people struggle with their faith. And I do understand why people can struggle um, I'm a very compassionate and empathetic person. And and so I try to hear what everybody says. 
and I try to relate. But I need you to know that no matter y'all's situation, no matter the reasoning, no matter y'all's circumstances, no matter what, you have to understand that if God, okay, if God, our creator, our father, if he is going to make you more like Jesus, then he's going to take you through everything that Jesus went through. And you need to understand that Jesus, his own son, was not spared from difficulty. Now, were there times when Jesus was lonely? Yes. Were there times when Jesus was misunderstood? Yes. Were there times when Jesus was hurt, offended, let down, and disappointed by people? Yes, absolutely. Were there times when Jesus was tempted to be discouraged and to give up? Yes. And were there times when Jesus was just tempted? Yes. And so you see, if God would allow and let his own son, whom was perfect, go through all of that, don't you think he's gonna let you go through that too? Yes. Well, then that brings me to my next point, why? The why is so very important. And it's okay to ask why. It's okay to wonder why, and it's okay to ask why. And I'm going to tell you the answer. It is written all throughout scripture. God let Jesus go through all of that. So he lets us go through everything that Jesus went through. Because God is more interested in your character than your comfort. And if God is going to make you more like Jesus, then he needs to take you out of your comfort, which is irrelevant, and bring you to your character, which is of great importance to him. And that, to me, ties in to faith. If a lot more people truly understood that, then faith would be a lot more easier for them. Now, I'm going to give you several options of faith. So this right here is where we are going to dive into faith. And then later we can do the biblical commands to Christians. We'll end with that. So. I call this possibility with Jesus or the world. Now in scripture, I was reading last night and I was reading in the book of Mark and this story in Mark chapter five is crazy and just so powerful y'all. It literally is such an incredible reminder in truth. See. Jesus goes to heal the synagogue ruler's daughter, and she actually dies before he even gets there. 
He shows up and says, do not be afraid, just believe. And when he says, do not be afraid, just believe, that's choosing faith over fear. Well, when Jesus showed up and said, do not be afraid, just believe, and it says that the people laughed at him because he said that she's not dead, she's just asleep. But see, Jesus ignored what they said. He ignored them and told the synagogue ruler to have faith and to believe in God. Now, if you are going to heal people and be healed, and if you're going to help people, and if you're gonna walk in the authority and the power and the love of Jesus, and being filled with the Holy Spirit, then there are times that you're going to have to ignore the world. You're going to have to ignore the world's verdicts, perspectives, wants, demands, ideologies, and opinions. You're going to have to ignore the world's ways, the world's commands, the world's customs, traditions, beliefs, cultures, societies, and the world's suggestions. You're going to have to ignore the world's say, just like Jesus did. You're going to have to ignore it like Jesus did and have faith. Keep big monumental faith in our incredibly monumentally big God. And don't go based on what the world thinks or says. Instead, go based on what our creator, almighty God says and what he says is possible and true. Because all things are possible with Jesus. Therefore, that alone should speak volumes into your faith. All things are possible with Jesus. A little girl died and our almighty Lord and Savior Jesus brought her back to life, y'all. Have unlimited faith. Have unlimited prayer. Have unlimited praise and worship for an unlimited God. I want to put the emphasis on Mark chapter 5, verse 36. Do not be afraid. Just believe and have faith. Choose the Lord God over this world daily. Choose the Lord God every single day, every single time, all the days of your life. Because the Lord God is what you're missing. And Christ alone fills all the voids. The Lord only makes you whole. And the Lord God is your real true home. So what is faith? Faith is complete trust or confidence in someone or something, right? Like a strong belief in God or in the doctrines of a religion based on spiritual apprehension rather than proof. Well, if you go to Wikipedia and look up the definition of faith, it says that faith is derived 
from Latin fides and old French feed is confidence or trust in a person, thing, or concept. In the context of religion, one can define faith as belief in God or in the doctrines or teaching of religion. Well, to me, I don't have faith in religion. Religion is legalism. It is the Pharisees and the Sadducees in scripture. I stay away from religion at any and all cost. I am not religious. I am spiritual. My faith is in God. One God, three persons. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. The Godhead. My faith is in the teachings of Christ. My faith is in God and in the Lord Jesus. To me, the true meaning of faith is this. Faith means putting your full and complete trust in God and having full confidence that He will fulfill His word and all His promises. Now, I don't want to just go based off of what the internet would say. And I don't want to even just go based off of what faith necessarily is to me. So, taking what faith means to me, which is, in my opinion... If I had to describe faith to somebody, it's putting my full and complete trust in God. And I have full confidence that he will fulfill his word and all his promises. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for. The conviction of things not seen. Referencing Hebrews chapter 11 verse 1. This particular passage within scripture concerning the function of faith. Okay in relation to the covenant of God is often used as the definition of faith. Now, when I went back and I reread over this past weekend, chapter 11 of Hebrews, I saw that Hebrews chapter 11 is about the superiority of the faith way. As we see in Hebrews chapter 11 verses 1 through 40, it's literally the sphere of faith. Faith is the result of believing in the Lord God Almighty. Faith is the result of believing the gospel, the good news, that Jesus Christ died for our sin, for the world's sins, and he made a way for us to be reconciled back to the Father, a way for us to be right with God and spend eternity in heaven. He made an atonement for us, a sacrifice that was well-pleasing to God. He intercedes for us. Now, we see starting at verse 1, which in chapter 11, beginning with verses 1, I call that the sphere of faith. Now it says, now faith is a substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. 
for by it the elders obtained a good report. Through faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. Now let's look at instances of faith. Let's look at Abel. By faith, Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, and by it he be and by it he being dead, yet he still speaketh. Again, by faith, Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, and by it he being dead yet speaketh. Now let's look at Enoch. By faith, Enoch was translated that he should not see death and was not found because God had translated him. For before his translation, he had this testimony that he pleased God. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. See, Enoch had great faith in God. And because of Enoch's great faith in God, God was well pleased with him. So he took him to heaven that he would never see death. Let's look at Noah. By faith, Noah, being warned of God of things not seen as yet, moved with fear, prepared an ark out of faith to the saving of his house, by the which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness which is by faith. Now we can see even Abraham and Sarah. By faith, Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should after receive for an inheritance, obeyed, and he went out not knowing whither he went, but by faith, okay, by faith, he went into the land of promise as in a strange country, dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he looked for a city which has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. And through faith also, Sarah herself received strength to conceive seed in her old age and was delivered of a child when she was way past age because she judged him faithful who had promised. Therefore sprang there even of one, and him as good as dead, so many as the stars of the sky and multitude, and as the sand which is by the seashore innumerable. These all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off, and were persuaded of them, and embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. For they that say such things declare plainly that they seek a country.
And truly, if they had been mindful of that country from whence they came out, they might have had opportunity to have returned. But now they desire a better country that is a heavenly one. Wherefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he hath prepared for them a city. By faith, Abraham, when he was tried, offered up Isaac, and he that had received the promise offered up his only begotten son, of whom it was said that in Isaac I shall thy seed be called, accounting that God was able to raise him up even from the dead, from whence also he received him in a figure. I can go on about Isaac and Jacob, Joseph, Moses and his parents, Joshua and Israel, Rahab, the many heroes of faith. Faith is what we all need. Faith is what pleases God. Faith is what takes us through. It truly, truly is powerful and something that we all need. I hope that you all have great faith. Especially in the world we live in, especially in the times that we're in, y'all. You need faith more than anything. Faith in the Lord God. I also want to note that the book of Enoch now... I know that people have different views on the book of Enoch. However, the Ethiopic book of Enoch echoes the conviction of the people of God at different dispensations. It was written with spiritual objects. It is an invaluable aid to the understanding of Christ-like and moral atmosphere of this world. Understand that Enoch is the seventh son to patriarch Adam in the book of Genesis. And he was first revered only for his pity and faithfulness. Faithfulness. But was later believed to be the recipient of such divine and secret knowledge from God. Why would anyone reject such a godly person in his writings. In scripture, it says that Enoch was said to be found blameless, one who walked with the Lord and was taken away. This is simply a sign of divine acceptance and approval. There was even a tradition about Enoch as an expert in God's secrets. I'm holding in my hand the book of Enoch and I can tell you that this book has so much, so much of what people need to learn and study and know, but it also has 
a lot about faith. Now, we just got done talking about faith, and I reference Hebrews chapter 11, which I call the superiority of the faith way, the sphere of faith. Now, right there in verse 1, I can't help but keep looking at it because the author literally defines faith, being sure of what we hope for and believing the evidence of what we do not see. This definition echoes Paul's observation that hope that is seen is no hope at all. You can read that for yourself in Romans chapter 8 verses 24 through 25. The author provides insight into the Cain and Abel story that we've read about in Genesis chapter 4 verses 1 through 16. See, many people assume that God received Abel's offering because it involved a blood sacrifice and that he rejected Cain's because it did not. And that's not true because yet both Hebrews and Genesis suggest that Cain's real sin was tokenism. See, Abel offered the very best of what he had. He had total faith in God while Cain offered only a sampling when he should have given the first fruits of his crops to God. It was a faulty attitude that led to their rejected offering. Now also in the book of Hebrews chapter 11, if you look at verses 5 through 7, the author provides yet a second definition of faith. The first definition is found in verse 1, but The second definition is found in verses 5 through 7. A belief that God exists and rewards those who diligently and faithfully seek him. See, Enoch was spared death because his faith was so great that it pleased God. And Noah and his family was spared because he believed God and acted on such great faith. He acted on something he had not yet seen. Now, verses 8 through 10 are several examples of Abraham's faith that's mentioned to begin with. He left his homeland solely because God promised to lead him somewhere else. He didn't even know where he was going. But when he arrived and God promised him the land as an inheritance, He lived there as if it were his, even though he never possessed it during his lifetime. All he, literally all he actually owned was a small burial plot. He lived much of his life as a stranger in someone else's country. If you look at verses 23 through 25, Moses is another top figure in Israel's history. And As is the case in numerous instances, the faith of the parents is shown to be influential in the subsequent birth and life of an important spiritual figure. Of course, Moses didn't get off to such a great start after he was, you know, raised by Pharaoh's daughter 
His murder of an Egyptian overseer declared his loyalty to the Israelites, which you can read about in Exodus chapter 2, verses 11 through 15. And the short-lived pleasures of the Egyptian court were not to be compared with the eternal inheritance to be enjoyed by those who trust the Lord and do his will. Now, if you look at verses 30 through 31, if faith was just as important after arriving in the promised land as it had been in getting there, just two examples are provided. The falling of the walls of Jericho and the faith of Rahab, the woman who helped the Israelites and the only survivor with her family of the fall of Jericho. Now, the first century Jewish believers were most likely jolted a bit to be reminded of the faith of a Gentile prostitute and God's vindication of her as an example that they would do well to follow. There is so much about faith. Noah walked with God, Genesis chapter 6, verse 9, while the rest of humanity walked in the other direction, the direction of the world. Now, if you look at um, verses 39 through 40, the final two verses of Hebrews chapter 11 are often misunderstood. The author's clear statement is that the faithful people of Old Testament times did not receive what had been promised to them. All believers continue to look to the future for a better country, a better resurrection, one of the last things the author will write is that all believers continue to look for the city that is to come. All who place their faith in God are to be made perfect together, old and new. And you can even look at chapter 12, verse 1. Because after providing such an abundant and commendable group of examples in Hebrews chapter 11, the author tells his audience to imagine being surrounded by those heroes as they live out their faith in the first century world. The historical figures could be perceived as a cheering section that would give the modern believers a home field advantage of sorts. I really want you all to think of that. In all honesty, in all seriousness. If I want you all to read all of chapter 11 and after you read it you will see such an abundant and commendable group of examples that you just read about in Hebrews chapter 11 
And I want you to imagine that you, yes, you, are being surrounded right now by all those heroes as they live out their faith. So as they lived their faith in the first century world and even before that, I want you to close your eyes if you can, unless you're driving. Don't close them eyes if you're driving. But if you're not driving, close your eyes. If you are driving, then just imagine. Don't take your eyeballs off the wheel, though. Watch the road. But I want you to imagine that you are being surrounded by all those heroes as you live out your faith in the 21st century world. The historical figures are your cheering section that gives you, the modern believer, a home field advantage. Do you understand that? You have an amazing group of examples given to you in chapter 11 of Hebrews. Those are your examples. And every single day, I want you to imagine that you are being surrounded by all of the heroes that you just read about. And they are cheering you on. They are your cheering section, your cheerleaders, as you live out your faith day to day. And understand too, no one enjoys being disciplined, okay? Nobody. Nobody enjoys being disciplined by an authority figure, whether it's your parents, your grandparents, somebody at school, the government. Nobody enjoys it. And when God takes action to get a person's attention, it is not usually pleasant. But neither is it lasting. As soon as the person responds, the disciplinary action is quickly replaced by righteousness and peace. And I'm going to tell y'all something. God disciplined me in many areas, in many different seasons and chapters of my life. And God Almighty had to take action to get my attention. And it wasn't pleasant. (laughs) Unfortunately, it came by the death of my father when my padre died. And while you would probably sit there and say oh well that's lasting because your papa's dead no he's not my papa is much alive so is my mother and so is my abuela they're not alive here on earth they're sleeping on earth but they are alive and thriving with god and when jesus comes back he is going to resurrect them and I will be with them again. So you see, it does not last. It's not a lasting punishment. And God didn't do it to punish me. 
He disciplined me out of love. He took action to get my attention because I stubbornly was not heeding to his voice. And as soon as I responded, the disciplinary action was quickly replaced by righteousness and his peace and his forgiveness and his love, mercy, and grace. See, peace within the Christian community is not something that occurs automatically. And it's definitely not something that should be taken for granted. Believers are to make every single effort to ensure they have a holy lifestyle on an individual basis and a peaceful coexistence with others. Otherwise, people lose sight of God and the things that truly matter. Each Christian as an individual must seriously and wholeheartedly pursue holiness and help other believers to do the same. It is important to deal with sin as it arises or it will quickly become a bitter root that spreads quickly to affect many. Trust and believe. Wherefore, we receiving a kingdom which cannot be moved, let us have grace, whereby we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear, for our God is a consuming fire. Let brotherly love continue. Be not forgetful to entertain strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unaware. Remember them that are in bonds, as bound with them, and them which suffer adversity, as being yourselves also in the body. Marriage is honorable in all, and the bed undefiled, but whoremongers and adulterers God will judge. Let your conversation be without covetousness, and be content with such things as ye have. For he hath said, I will never leave thee, and I will never forsake thee. So that we may boldly say, The Lord is my helper, and I will not fear what man shall do unto me. Remember them which have the rule over you, who have spoken unto you the word of God, whose faith follow, considering the end of their... Excuse me. Considering the end of their conversation, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. Be not carried about with divers or strange doctrines, for it is a good thing that the heart be established with grace, not with meats which have not profited them that have been occupied therein. 
I think you all should read chapter 13 of Hebrews. And I want to emphasize on verses 10 through 25, which is Christian separation and worship, which is extremely important. Now to wrap up this podcast, this has been over a two day span, um, but I have to go start my homeschooling because as the teacher, (laughs) but I just wanted to say before I read the godly commands of Christians, I just want you all to know that God gave us a way. The way is Jesus. But you have to read and study your Bibles. You have to know God's word. And if that's hard for you, and I want you to be like me in the sense that I want you to humble yourself. Be completely and wholeheartedly raw, authentic, transparent, and honest and true. If you struggle reading the Bible, if you don't understand it, seek Bible study groups. I have wonderful Bible study groups that we offer for free. We have them on all our platforms. If you go to Facebook, which many people have Facebook. And if you go to Facebook, look up Abiding in God's Grace Ministries. We have a Christian women's group and a Christian men's group that we do our Bible studies in. We also provide one-on-one Bible studies through Zoom and through um, Facebook Messenger, video chat, or just the call. So don't hesitate. You can call me day or night. I always have my phone on me um, just in case any of our subscribers, friends, family, followers, anybody needs me. We are here for y'all 24-7. I will never deny you help. I will read the Bible to you. Or I will read it with you. We will study it. I am here. Think of me as your personal little cheerleader to help you along the way. This is where we are. We are abiding in God's grace ministries, and we're also simple, godly, living homestead, embracing grace. Welcome. We are the Blackburns, and we are unashamed of our Christian faith, and we want to share the gospel with any and everyone, from new believers to longtime followers of Jesus. Us and our special guest here on the podcast go beyond the normal structured four walls of the church building to share God's word and to study the Bible right along with you. So pour a cup of coffee or a nice cold glass of sweet tea 
and experience fun, touching, real, authentic, raw, and inspiring stories of faith, family, love, life, parenthood, marriage, cooking, baking, homesteading, gardening, off-gridding, health, and overcoming trials, challenges, and tribulations, plus so much more. Embracing Grace and more are here to share hilarious stories, laughs, inspiration, faith, encouragement, and real talk about Jesus, the gospel, and the Bible in all things life. So now we're going to go on to the biblical commands for Christians. But I just wanted to let you know, in case nobody told you today, or has told you at all in your life, you are beautiful. And I seriously and wholeheartedly mean that. Even if you yourself don't see your true beauty And I mean beauty on the inside as well as outside. So if you don't see your inward beauty and your outward beauty, that's okay. Most people don't see it. But I just want you all to know that I do. And I see you for who you really are. And you are beautiful. Every single person on this earth is beautiful. And the reason why is because we all are made in God's image. And so if humanity is made in God's image and every single person on this earth bears his image, you can't call anybody ugly because then you're calling the almighty, our creator, ugly. And there is nothing nor anyone more beautiful than the Lord God. God created you in his image. In his image. Do you have any idea how big that is? Look at everything God made. Everything that God has created. You can see the beauty of God in all of his creation. Yet, instead of making us like the angels or like the animals, you know, the beasts and the insects and the birds, instead of making us like any of that, instead of making us like trees or anything, he could have literally made us look like anything. And I don't know if y'all have done any study on some angels, but they don't look like what people depict them in the fairy tales and in the pictures and in cathedrals and stuff like that. Some of them are very scary looking, beautiful and unique in their own way, but also equally terrifying. However, God chose to make you and I and the rest of the world in his image. Like, I just, can we reflect on that, y'all? Like, God created you in his image. 
in his image. That's huge. That's like the biggest thing ever. And it fills me up with so much joy. I don't care that I have a goofy smile on my face. I am overflowing. I am overfilled and overflowing with joy and peace and love and honor that I am made in God's image. It makes me want to cry. It makes me want to jump up and down. I know, boo-boo. Tell them. Even Boo-Boo Jr., the little Boo-Boo Jr., Midnight, a.k.a. Midi, even he agrees. Even he agrees. Yeah, tell him, baby. Tell him. See, God created you in his image. In his image. You were made as a representation. Okay? So, God created you. And he created you in his image. And in his image, you were made. And you were made as a representation to reflect God's goodness and to radiate his love. You were not thrown together with scraps, nor were you stitched together with leftovers. You were divinely and intentionally designed by the creator of the universe. You were inspired by him and you were made with purpose, intentionality, and a calling. Can you feel the weight of this knowledge? Does it fill your heart with delight and worthiness? If you value God at all, then you must value what he has created in his image. And you must value the purpose of why he created you. You were intentionally, fearfully, and wonderfully made in his image. You were made to represent him. Knowing this should change the way you view yourself, your life, and all that that implies. No longer should you be motivated by your own desires nor the pursuits of the world rather you should be motivated by how you reflect him through your actions your words your appearance your life and lifestyle you should reflect him i just i had to get that off my chest because it it is an amazing absolutely amazing thing and just to touch on the whole I guess this kind of would tie into faith before I go into the biblical commands to Christians I want you to ask God today and this is what I did. And, and this personally helped me. And so, like with all things, I'm not going to tell y'all something or show y'all something or um, recommend something if I don't back it up 100%. So, 
I'm not going to tell y'all to do something that I haven't personally done myself, that I haven't tested and trialed to make sure that it actually works. Just like with products, I will never recommend y'all to purchase or look into anything that I haven't tried or that I haven't researched. So everything... Everything is backed up. (laughs) So, one night, um, one night I just, I, I sat down and my husband was sleeping. He had to get up super early for work, so he was in bed sleeping. My children were in bed sleeping, and even though I had work early in the morning myself, I just couldn't sleep. I was tossing and turning. I just, I had so much running through my mind. It's like, I was so tired, so tired and wore out, and I knew I had to get up super early to get myself ready, to get my children ready. You know, I had to get my older children ready for school. And then I had to make sure that my youngest had everything that she needed so that while my husband and I were at work and, you know, the older ones were at school, that our babysitter had everything that she needed for my youngest, her clothes picked out, you know, breakfast, lunch, and snacks already, like just everything set up. So I had to get up super early. I would get up with my husband. He has to get up at two o'clock in the morning. That's a lot. Well, I took a shower. I was already so tired. I didn't want to, but I did anyway. So I took my shower. I got in my jammies and I crawled into bed next to my husband and I had Boo Boo, my Boo Boo kitty, you know, who is Boo Boo Senior, not Boo Boo Junior, who's with me now. Um, But I had Boo Boo Kitty in bed, too, and I was just snuggling with both of them. I was right beside my husband, and just, I, I can't sleep unless I'm right next to him. Like, I have to have my left foot in between his feet. <laughs> And he's my personal heater. Like, when I feel the warmth radiating off of his body, it puts me into sleep mode. It's very soothing and calming, and it's like my safe haven. And I had Boo Boo Kitty laying on my chest, purring away, and I was just petting him. And I was, you know, my I should have been at peace. I was happy, and I was content. And I was so tired and I'm like, oh, I'm going to get such a great night of sleep. Like, this is amazing. This doesn't happen, especially when you have children, especially a young child, um, you know, who's still a baby. So I closed my eyes and right as I'm starting to fall asleep, my mind just turns on and 50 bazillion trillion droopling quadruplin things go through my head it's like I, I had so much that it, it was mind-boggling it was actually spinning me and I was beginning to get a headache and I was consumed with just so much stress of life you know 
bills, upkeeps, children, life in general, where am I at in my life? Just, just everything, like everything that you could possibly think of and stress about was happening all in a matter of minutes. And I'm like, no, I got to get up early. Like, you know, it's already late. I'm already only going to get a couple hours of sleep. I need to go to sleep like now and let's go and no sleep. So I tried everything. Um, anyway, so I wound up getting up and I just, I grabbed my Bible and I went into my bathroom. I had a huge bathroom, like our master bathroom. We had a stand up shower and I had seats put in it because I have a broken back. So, you know, it was a stand up shower that I could get in and out of that was safe for me. So I, I didn't need help. Like if my husband wasn't there, it was safe for me to take a shower. I had bars to hold on to and it had seats in it. And then I also had my jacuzzi tub. Like it was huge. We had chairs in there. Like, I mean, my, my bathroom was like a bedroom. I missed that so bad because the bathroom here at our homestead is nothing like that. I have a hard time getting out of this tub. It it's, has no no bars, no seats, no nothing. It's just, it's not, not there. But I'm grateful and thankful to have one. So there's that. Finding content. Finding the contentment. Um, anyway, so I'm in my bathroom at our old home. And I'm just seeking God. And I'm just like, I, I need clarity. And so I prayed. I closed my eyes and as I held my Bible with my one hand I placed my right hand on top of my Bible and I prayed for God to lead and guide me what is he trying to tell me to just help me flip to the page that he wants me to read and to open up my heart and my mind and my spirit to receive the word that he has for me and I just started reading away and so then as I'm reading you know I, I'm thinking and I'm talking to myself which yes hello I talk to myself <laughs> and just like speaking out loud talking to God talking to myself talking to my cat and I began to really reevaluate things and look at things in a different perspective. And so I got down on my knees in my bathroom and I asked God, I said, okay, God, where are the wrong mindsets that I have about you, God, as a father? as a provider, as a creator, as God. And Jesus, where are the wrong mindsets that I have about you as a bridegroom? Where are the wrong mindsets that I have about you as a provider? Because I want to agree with what you say about you, God. And I also want to agree with what you say about me. And I want to agree with your vision over my life instead of clamoring for scraps, essentially, and hoping that maybe I might have some scraps of the vision I had for myself. 
And I wanted to trade that in and instead begin to receive your vision, Lord, over my life. Because I know it's got to be way better. And when I asked God that, y'all, it's going to make me emotional. When I asked that, and when I prayed, that's when everything began to change. I looked at things through a whole new lens, totally different, totally different. So as promised, we are going to go over the biblical commands for Christians. And then I think that I'm going to actually end this with a prayer. Um, or not a prayer. I mean, I do want to end with a prayer, but I, I would like to share a psalm I wrote. So, the most significant teachings in the Bible to me for the biblical commands to Christians, I have divided into three categories. Commands to Christians. Category number one is interacting with others. Category number two is attitudes. And category number three is actions. And this, by the way, I use, um, I don't use any particular curriculum when I'm homeschooling. Um, now, I do love The Good and the Beautiful. I will highly recommend them. Um, but I want to teach completely sound biblical doctrine. I don't teach about Christmas and stuff like that. On the contrary, we look at the holidays and we go into and we research them. We find out the paganism and we compare that to the Bible and we stay clear of them. So, commands to Christians. And we're going to talk about category number one, interacting with others. God commands us Christians, while interacting with others, to first restore others gently. Galatians chapter 6 verse 1. Number 2, we are to carry each other's burdens. Galatians chapter 6 verses 1 through 2. Number 3, we are to avoid foolish and petty arguments. Romans chapter 14 verse 1 and number four we are to love each other above all above all things love each other love covers a multitude of sin and we are to love one another John chapter 13 verses 34 through 35 we are to love Fear, honor, and obey the Lord God above any and all. And then we are to love one another. Now, going into category number two, attitudes. Number one, we are to be humble 
Ephesians chapter 4, verse 2. Number 2, we are to rejoice in the Lord always. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 16. Number 3, we are to be patient. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 2. And number four, we are to give thanks in every and any circumstance. First Thessalonians chapter five, verse 18. Moving on to our third and final category, which is actions. Number one, we are to pray without ceasing. First Thessalonians chapter five, verse 17. Number two, we are to obey God above all, above everything. 1 John chapter 2, verses 5 through 6. Number three, we are to love, fear, respect, and obey God. Love God. Matthew chapter 22, verses 37 through 38. Number four, we are to believe in Jesus. First John chapter three, verse 23. Number five, we are to make disciples. Matthew chapter 28, verse 19. Number six, we are to be baptized and to baptize others. Matthew chapter 28, verse 19. Number seven, we are to teach Matthew chapter 28, verse 20. Number eight, we are to avoid grumbling. Philippians chapter two, verse 14. Number nine, we are to be strong and courageous and have great faith and trust solely in the Lord God. 1 Corinthians chapter 16 verse 13. And number 10. Always be ready to defend your faith. 1 Peter chapter 3 verse 15. And that is what I teach my children. Your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. And if you read 1 Corinthians chapter 6 verses 19 through 20, it actually tells you what the Christian body is for. So your physical body, okay, your flesh, your physical body, your shell as I call it, is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Your Christian body is to be a living sacrifice. Romans chapter 12 verses 1 through 2 and Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10. The Christian body is to glorify God. 1 Corinthians chapter 6 verse 19 through 20. Titus chapter 2 verses 1 through 4. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31, and Isaiah chapter 43, verse 7. 
The Christian body is to be kept in subjection. 1 Corinthians chapter 9 verse 27, Colossians chapter 3 verse 5, and Romans chapter 8 verse 13. The Christian body is to magnify Christ. Philippians chapter 1 verse 20, Galatians chapter 2 verse 20, 1 Timothy chapter 2 verse 9. The Christian body is to be kept clean. 2 Corinthians chapter 7 verse 1, 1 Timothy chapter 5 verse 22, and 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 verses 3 through 5. The Christian body is to be kept busy. Ecclesiastics chapter 9 verse 10 and 2 Timothy chapter 2 verse 21. The Christian body is to be kept fit. 3 John chapter 2, 1 Corinthians chapter 9 verse 25, and 1 Corinthians chapter 6 verses 9 through 10. How are you keeping your temple for God? And this, these are all things I teach my children. I have eight tests for decision making. I have the names of God. I have characteristics, like the character that we are to have. I have it broken into two groups, men and women. And this is all from the Bible. It's a sound biblical doctrine. I have Bible emergency numbers. And I have Who is the Proverbs 31 Woman? Daily Scripture Writing Plan. How to pray for yourself. How to pray for others. How to pray in your war room. And then Body, Soul, and Spirit who are we? So in my homeschooling, I have biblical studies, which that also ties into history. But I don't want to go too, too long because this podcast has been long enough. I have loved and enjoyed every minute that I've had with y'all, but I don't want to talk y'all's ear off. So I would like to share my worship song that I made for God. And I wrote this August 12th, 2022. Um, I was outside in my garden, just sitting there and talking to God and praying with him and just walking with him. And this breeze came with the sun shining. Like I can't, it's indescribable. It was an indescribable moment, but I felt God. And so I go out and I sing to God and I praise him and I pray to him in my gardens. That is my time with him. So I title this song Back to the Garden. And I'm not going to sing for y'all, but I am going to read it. Maybe I'll sing on another time. (laughs) But it's take me back to the garden. I want to walk with you in the cool of the day. Plant me there in your garden. I won't be hiding when you call my name. You make rivers flow in deserted places. You make gardens grow in the wilderness. You make springs burst 
forth in all my dry places. You make giants fall and keep all your promises. Take me back to the garden. I want to walk with you in the cool of the day. Plant me there in your garden. I won't be hiding when you call my name. I'm finding and making my way back to the garden. Was full of brokenness, emptiness, and full of shame. For how far I strayed away. I'm finding my way back to the garden. I came running when you called my name. Take me back to the garden. I want to walk with you in the cool of the day. Always plant me there in your garden. Lord, I won't be hiding when you call my name. Thank y'all again for joining us for another episode of Embracing Grace. I hope you all have enjoyed this episode, Life, Faith, All Things Garden. Um, We didn't get to all the things garden, but life never goes according to plan and I don't like being on script. I'm, I'm a free will, if you know what I mean. So I just want to thank y'all for tuning in, for listening. Um, if you enjoyed the video or the podcast, please like it and please share this. Um, share it with everybody because you never know who might need to hear it. And don't forget to check out all our other episodes. And also, if you have social media, find us. We are on all platforms. TikTok, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Tumblr, you name it, we got it. Abiding in God's Grace Ministries and Simple Godly Living Homestead. Also, subscribe to our YouTube channel so y'all don't miss anything because starting tonight, we are recording all our episodes. Love you all and God bless.